You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to spotlight America's team with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Talk Texans with John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. Get a fantasy fix with Michael Harmon and go round the league with Peter King from the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, as always, we appreciate the time. We were just discussing the notion the Eagles could be the most complete team in football, but what's the potential impact of Jason Peters going down last night? I mean, it's a, it's a huge blow because, I mean, not only over the you know recent years has he been a top three left tackle like every year, but this guy was the biggest leader on the offensive side of this field. I mean, last night I was at the game last night, and he is being piled into this cart, and he tells a bunch of his teammates, he said, you know, tell V, his replacement, <laughs> the guy whose name I can't pronounce, with the longest name in the history of the NFL, um, that, uh, you know, he needs to watch out for this, you know, and he goes X, Y, and Z on the, you know, he, what he needs to watch out for in the defense, uh, on the Washington defense. And so after the game, in the Eagles locker room, you know, that story was circulating, and the players on that team were two things, incredulous that somebody whose knee just got shredded, and, you know, because of his age, you know, he's in his 30s, because of his age, who knows, A, will he ever play football again, and B, will he ever be the same again? And all he can think about is, hey, listen, tell my backup he's got to watch out for X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, on on, uh, on passing downs. And it's just that's why the guys on that team absolutely loved him. Uh, it's going to be a huge blow for them. And to me, that's a true testament of how this team is, is, is together from a cohesive standpoint because it's very rare when that injured, you're thinking about the next guy. You're so much concerned about the pain, but – when you look at this football team, Doug Peterson truly has their attention. There were some stories coming out saying that he was in over his head, but do you see that from Doug Peterson as if he's in over his head when it comes down to being the head coach on this football team? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Doug Peterson, Cordell, has been an upset because a bunch of people looked at him and said, hey, you know, Jeff Lurie hired him basically because he reminded him of Andy Reid. And there's something to that. He's got a lot of Andy Reid in him. He's an understated, quiet guy. Uh, but he's also a lot more imaginative about football than people give him credit for. But this will be a challenge because they have been, only more recently, have they been running the ball better uh, and giving LeGarrette Blunt, you know, a significant uh, portion of the carries. But, but again, when you lose one of the best three or four players on your team, without any question, that's what Jason Peters is. When you lose that guy, then you have to make some major adjustments in what you do. And, you know, now the question is, is the, is the depth of the Eagles going to be good enough? And, look, Howie Roseman is one of the most accomplished traders in the NFL. 
I, I, I should go back and add up the number of trades that he made, but he loves making trades. The trading deadline is one week from today. As a matter of fact, 35 minutes ago is the trading deadline, <laughs> one week from today. And uh, I will bet you a lot of money that Howie Roseman, who got a one for Sam Bradford, you guys remember, um, on Labor Day weekend of 2016 uh, for Minnesota, I will bet you that there will be a bunch of phone calls being made around the league uh, you know, in the next uh, in the next six days, uh, to see if the Philadelphia Eagles can improve their situation at left tackle. Going around the league with Peter King from the MMQB. Peter, last one for me, based on the latest ruling. We know uh, Ezekiel Elliott will play Sunday at Washington. Do you think there's any chance of a settlement between the league and Elliott's lawyers, leading to a reduced suspension? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that. Uh, Elliot is going to continue to fight this heavily, severely, uh, because I think he and Jerry Jones are both adamant that uh, whether there was some sort of confrontation with a woman uh, to give, to basically give him, you know, to take 35% of his season away or whatever it is, is, is way too much. But I, I would also make this point. The Dallas Cowboys this morning, you know, today, are 3-3. Three and three. And if you had said at the beginning of the year, what do you think the Cowboys would be with a game at, you know, at San Francisco especially, you know, and, and, a, and, a, and a schedule that wasn't really all that hard early on, wouldn't you think that without Ezekiel Elliott they'd have been 3-3? Three and three? <laughs> You know, and now they're sitting here 3-3, three and three, and they've had Elliott, and they may miss him for the tougher part of their schedule down the stretch. And again, you can't second guess this because I think that the you know the Cowboys were convinced that they could win this appeal. But I'm just telling you right now, I look at this and say, man, can you imagine if it's, if a fresh Ezekiel Elliott would be coming back this week? Uh, how fortunate the Cowboys would be with the suspension in their rearview mirror. It's not going to happen that way. It's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, no pun intended. Peter, when you look at the Steelers with Martavis Bryant, how do you foresee them handling that situation considering this is two consecutive weeks where he's mentioning how disgruntled he is with the performance that he's having a chance uh, to make and have and be impactful with this football Cordell, you know what I would do if I were, really, if I were Kevin Colbert, Art Rooney II, Mike Tomlin, I would be saying, is there a chance? Is there a chance? we got to look up the rules, but is there a chance we could suspend Martavis Bryant for a week for conduct detrimental to the team. Wow. I, I mean, in my opinion, I think this is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Look at how much they stood behind Martavis Bryant, right. you know, when he was suspended. You know, they could have they fired him. They, they, they could have, uh, you know, they could have just separated themselves from him, but they backed him. And now look what happened. Well, look what they get. Like three or four games into his season coming back, he's, he's, he's saying, I want out. I want to trade. I mean, why don't you just be a team player, which you weren't for the last two years. I, I'm, 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 as, you can, as you can hear, I think this is, a, this is absolute, utter nonsense by Martavis Bryant. Peter, as always, we value the information and strong opinions. Have a great week. We'll chat with you Sunday on NFL First and Goal.
Sounds great, guys. Great talking to you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too. You just flip a switch and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, and up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones to today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we focus on football in Houston with Texan sideline analyst John Harris. John, let's start with good news in Houston. Dwayne Brown ending the holdout. What does it mean to have the team's best offensive tackle back? And is he projected to play this Sunday against Seattle in our game of the week on TuneIn Premium? Well, Brian, it's an interesting question. It was good to see Dwayne back in the building. And in his media session uh, on Monday, he said that he was glad to be back around his teammates and ready to, to play some ball. So hopefully he can get himself ready to play by Sunday. But, man, you talk about being thrown into the fire, my goodness, against Seattle and Michael Bennett. Um, and, I mean, I saw a report that Dwight Freeney was up there, which – Dwight Freeney is the absolute nemesis of Dwayne Brown. So that's like being thrown into the fire against what I think is, is the best front in the NFL right now uh, with everything that Seattle has. But I, I would think that he is in shape to play. Now, is he in football shape? I don't know. But can he play? Can he play 50 to 60% of the plays? I think that's something he could do. But, look, there's, they're at this point with – Everything that's gone on, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded him to Philadelphia today or tomorrow. Wow, yeah. I hope that he's playing Sunday because the Texans absolutely need him at left tackle, especially now that Chris Clark has been banged up in mispractice on Monday. When you, t- when you see Deshaun Watson uh, come into the game and, and, and really just take it by storm, let's just say that, um, something probably, let's just say, more than you guys have ever seen there in Houston at the quarterback position He's throwing over 60%, completing over 60% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, only five INTs, along with the ones that he's actually had the chance uh, to be a part of on the ground, which was two. Give me your take on how high is the sky for Deshaun Watson? Well, I think Cordell, he's done it against some, some solid defenses, but he hasn't done it against the Seahawks defense. And I think that's going to be – the big test. We keep saying, well, he's facing a Dick LeBeau defense this week. And then he dominates the Titans. Oh, but he's going to face a Bob Sutton Chiefs defense. And then he ripped up the Chiefs and had five touchdowns in that ball game. And then it's like, well, Greg Williams will show him a lot of pressure. And he looked as cool as he could possibly be against the Browns, handling the pressure, hitting his hot, finding the open receivers. I mean, there were times he knew where to go with the ball before the receiver even made his break or even knew that he needed to break his route off because of the pressure that the Texans were getting. He is, at this level, as, at point, as advanced as I've seen a rookie quarterback. Now, that said, the city of Houston has not seen a rookie quarterback since David Carr, and it obviously did not go this way. Uh, Dan Pastorini is the last rookie you could say that this city has seen, and he obviously didn't even have this success. He was beloved by the people in the city, but he didn't even come close to having anywhere near the success that Deshaun has had this early in his career. Now, Warren Moon did have success early, but he came from Edmonton, the CFL, where he had a lot of success in the CFL. So this is a whole different animal. What I love about it, Cordell, is the fact that 
he is drawing out all this innovation from Bill O'Brien and the offensive staff. They go in on meetings on Mondays and Tuesdays after games, and they're looking at tape from NFL teams, from college teams, and they're looking to see if there are some wrinkles that they can't add to this offense that nobody has seen this year. And I think each and every week there's going to be at least one wrinkle that they can utilize that nobody has seen only because they have Deshaun Watson. If something were to happen to Deshaun and Tom Savage came in the game, all those wrinkles are gone. But with Deshaun, there's so many different things that you can do that it's tapping into the creativity and it's making him such an explosive offense to have to stop at this point. We're chatting with John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John, undeniably, Lamar Miller is still the featured back, but how much does it help this team to finally have real depth at the running back position? Oh, there's no question. Deontay Foreman has added so much to this offense. Just even in giving Lamar Miller a break, and I use this analogy, Lamar Miller, is he's a Lamborghini, and you want to use him like a Lamborghini, but last year they had to use him like an F-150 truck. They had to use him 25, 26 times on the ground, and they weren't able to use him on the passing game like they really wanted to, and he was really worn down by weeks 14, 15, and 16 last year. Well, now you're seeing a fresh Lamar Miller because you got a fresh Deontay Foreman who can spell him in the second quarter. And that combination is really making things tough. And there have been times where they've used both of them together, which I would like to see a little bit more of. Now, Deontay still has to learn how to run like a professional. And what I mean by that is there's some things that you learn as a professional running back that Lamar knows that Deontay hasn't picked up yet. He hasn't realized, yes, he's a fast guy, but these defenses are really fast in the NFL. This is not a Big 12 defense. You're not always going to get the edge. You're going to have to make your cut and bend the zone run back inside, uh, back behind the guard and cut back behind the center. You're going to have to do those things. And when you get into the open field, you're 235 pounds. There are a lot of DBs back there that want to make business decisions against you. Force them into it. Don't just run and then let them bump you out of the sideline, which really has cost them two long touchdowns this year, one that would have been key against the New England Patriots. So he's still learning, but he is so talented at 235 pounds and the speed he has and the strength. He is the perfect complement right now for Lamar Miller, and I like the combination of those two. Uh, and we're second in the league in running right now, and it's large part because those two can play off one another so well. You talk about somebody playing so well. How about DeAndre Hopkins? He's finally involved in the system where he's being able to catch the deep balls. He's being targeted in the end zone. How is his body language and his conversation around the locker room considering all the things they've had transpired over the past couple of years and it hadn't been too successful? Well, I find interesting about DeAndre Cordell is you look around the league and you see you know, diva wide receivers. And look, I'm sure you played with some. You know plenty of diva wide receivers that, you know, I got to get mine. You know, give oh, me yeah. football. I need the football now. And DeAndre's never done that. He has never been that kind of guy. In fact, when Will Fuller scores a touchdown, DeAndre is the first guy to get over there and greet him in, in the end zone. And he has never, even last year, for as bad as it got, playing with the quarterbacks that he did last year, DeAndre never complained. He never, he never got down. He never pouted. He always just went out there and competed, and he always fought for the football. It just wasn't in the right spot most of the time. Now he's doing those same things. He's just continuing to do what he's done, but now the ball is ending up where he can make a play on it. And that's just building his confidence and his rapport with Deshaun. And obviously it's creating a rapport with Will Fuller as well, Deshaun is. So DeAndre, and and look, here's the thing. When you sign a receiver to a big contract, everybody wants to look at, oh, can he play up to that contract? Well, DeAndre is doing that and then some. 
And obviously a large part of that has to do with Deshaun Watson. But those guys are working after practice, before practice. They're talking with each other. And obviously the connection to Clemson has helped because they knew each other before they got here. And I think it's really helped Deshaun, too, because Deshaun knows if I get rid of this football and I just put it in the area code, Hop's going to go make a play for me. And so they sort of feed off each other that way, and it's really made for a nice connection. But DeAndre's happy. Will Fuller's happy. Uh, it'd be nice to get CJ Spadoro back in a, in a few weeks off the concussion he had earlier in the year. That'll add another piece to the passing game. But, yeah, Hop's absolutely happy. And you know it, Cordell. When those wide receivers are happy, everybody's happy. He's Cordell Stewart, who knows a thing or two about playing wide receiver as well. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with our friend John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, I hope to end my career here at TuneIn. I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity. But if it doesn't work out, I probably could land on my feet in Nashville or Jacksonville because nobody talks more AFC South than this program. And we've been knee-deep in this division since Cordell and I teamed up at the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So since you're immersed in it, how do you see the division this year? Other than the Colts, without Andrew Luck, it feels like this is going to be a tight race the rest of the way. Well, I'm going to start with the Colts. I can't believe the talent, the lack of talent that's in Indianapolis. I just can't believe it. You know, I just can't believe that they let that go unchecked for so long. And it just goes to show what Andrew Luck was covering up for a number of years there in Indianapolis. But to me, if Blake Bortles can play that way, and look, he's not going to be facing the Colts every week. But if Blake Bortles becomes a net positive for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jags are going to be very difficult to beat. Very, very difficult. That defense, and I saw week one, it was eye-opening how nasty and the thing about it is you see good physical defenses and you see fast defenses and ones that are smart and intelligent like the one in Houston but what you don't see are a bunch of guys and they had 11 guys that every time there was a different colored jersey with the football they wanted to ruin his career I mean they were looking to knock guys out of the game and they did we had 21 guys in the injury report after that game that's the kind of that's the brand of ball they're playing in Jacksonville they take a lot of pride in that and then when you try and throw the ball on them, they got Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. So they're very difficult to beat. Now, if Blake Boros is uh, negative, all of a sudden they come right back to the pack. And that's going to be a difficult game for the Texans going down there. But they got to face Deshaun Watson, too. So they know that that's the challenge that awaits them. But if they can find consistency, to me, Jacksonville is right there. And the Texans are going to have to go to Jacksonville and knock them off and do something. They obviously didn't do in week one and go beat Jacksonville on the road, which is going to be a tough place to play for Deshaun Watson and his Texans offense. The AFC South has been dominated by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you alluded to uh, the things that, that's transpired in that organization for many, many years within that division. But right now it's going from being that being the top-notch team to where now there's three teams within that division that's playing some really good football. How good has the AFC South gotten over the last couple of years? Well, I think when you, when you look at Cordell, what John Robinson did when he had the number one pick, with, when they had Marcus Mariota and they had the number one pick in 2016, they shipped that pick out to the Rams, and they ended up getting a boatload of picks. They ended up with Derrick Henry in that mix. They ended up with Jack Conklin. That's just added to the mix. They continue to add players. Kevin Bayard, they got in the fourth round of that draft. They've been able to draft pretty well with the picks they've had. Jacksonville has just consistently added talent. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Kelvin Smith. And then you throw in a guy like Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye. That defense with three additions, with, well, two additions, with Boye and Campbell, three, Barry Church, that defense went from being, okay, they look kind of good, to all of a sudden being, wow, they're scary. 
And so it's just added on the talent that was already there. John Robinson added to it in Tennessee and took it up a notch. And then in Jacksonville, with both draft and free agency, Jacksonville's gone up a notch or two. But that's, that's been the thing. Teams have drafted pretty well in this division for the most part. And then the Texans finally did what people wanted to do all along, which is get a quarterback. And they got a good one in Deshaun Watson. So I think the, the AFC South is going to be very difficult to navigate across. And look at, what, look at what the AFC South has already done. You've seen the Jaguars go beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. You know, Tennessee beat Seattle uh, in, in Nashville. You know, the Texans, you know, put up 57 on Tennessee. They went to New England, should have won the game up in New England if they could have stopped one fourth-quarter drive. So the AFC South, even though last week going in, everybody was 3-3, three and three, and now you got two teams 4-3, and three, that's as tough a division as you're going to find anywhere in the AFC for sure. John, let's wrap it up with a media-related question. Years ago, 2002, I was doing some sidelines for Fox. I was working a game at Seattle. I could not hear the toss from the booth. It was so loud. I want you to be perfect with your audio. What's your approach coming up on Sunday when you're on the field for the Texans radio network? It's so funny you say that, Brian. I just went out for my my mid-afternoon run, and I was thinking about that. What am I going to do if I can't hear when they throw it down to me? What am I going to do? Well, here's the thing. i got to rely on Deshaun Watson and the offense to keep things in check. If they can keep things in check, then I'll be okay. And I'll act, Maybe I'll just wait until the Seahawks offense is on the field and they can throw it down to me. But that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. I've seen a game out there that shows you how old I am. I went and saw a game in the Kingdom in 94 with the Raiders and Seahawks. I have not been to Quest Field. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a well of an experience no matter what. And I think we're going to go up there and compete. I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game on Sunday between the Texans and Seahawks. It's the best venue, as you know, in professional football. Have a marvelous trip, John, and hope to be chatting with you after a victory from the Houston point of view. We have Seattle listeners as well when we have our weekly conversation next Tuesday. Thank you, John. Absolutely, boys. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's talk Cowboys with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, we know the offense has been putting up a lot of points in recent weeks, but how good was it to see this team build a commanding lead on the road against the Niners and not let up on either side of the football? Yeah, sometimes I think when you go out uh, and you play a team like the 49ers, uh, they're 0-6 going into the game. You just got to go out and do what, what you need to do. Uh, beat them, put them away. Don't let them hang around and let them think, oh, we got some life. Uh, we, we can possibly win this game. And I thought the Cowboys uh, did that. I know there's some people out there probably minimizing the victory, uh, that the fact that uh, you know they beat a team that was winless. Well, they beat them really bad. Uh, and there were some signs of growth, I think, uh, especially on the defense. Things looked a little bit better. Uh, you know, that was a team that was real close to winning 
their last five games. They couldn't make a play, lost all five of them by no more than three points. Uh, and this time, uh, the Cowboys just went out. They actually got takeaways, two on defense, one on special team. Uh, it was the first takeaways they've gotten in four games. Uh, they, they got sacks, five sacks, and did a halfway decent job against the run. I wouldn't say it was great uh, because uh, when the Niners ran the ball, Carlos Hyde was averaging five yards a carry. But what happened was they kind of played complementary football, right? The offense scored points. That helped the defense to get the 49ers out of running the ball and having to throw the ball, which allowed them to pin their ears back and, and rush the quarterback. So all in all, uh, it was almost a perfect day for them until finding out that their kicker, Dan Bailey, strained his groin muscle and likely will miss uh, several weeks. And uh, the Cowboys decided today, uh, after working out three kickers, that they would go with Mike Nugent, the 12-year uh, veteran as their place kicker going forward. Mickey, through six games, Dak Prescott has thrown 10 touchdowns in the red zone. Last year, he had four, 14 in all of last season. Right now, he has 14 touchdowns and four interceptions after six games. Last year, seven and one. Is anyone talking about a sophomore slump for Dak Prescott? <laughs> That's a good one, Cordell. I got so tired of hearing that question during training camp. Uh, and, and in the off season, and, and I told this story uh, about having gone to, and it was several years ago, one of the uh, New England uh, Super Bowls, and somebody asked one of those standard questions to Bill Belichick in the in the big setting, and he said, "Do you guys have like a book of questions? And this is the question you have to ask every time when this might occur." And, and I thought of that when when the, that sophomore slump kept coming up it's like is it necessary to ask that question uh when this guy now has 16 games under his belt uh he's got had the opportunity to take as many snaps as he wanted in the off season as many snaps as he wanted uh in training camp you know to me he should get better uh so yeah i don't think we're going to get that question you know and you mentioned the touchdowns and the interceptions well Remember, four interceptions, but two of those have been dropped passes that have landed in somebody's lap right. uh, for the interception. So he's been awfully good. Just think about this. Last three games, he's thrown three touchdowns in each of those games. Uh, and, 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 and there's only a couple guys in Cowboy history that have done that, and I believe it was Troy Aikman and, and Tony Romo. So, uh, yeah, he's playing at an awfully high level. Chatting with Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com, the Cowboys team channel here on TuneIn as well. Mickey, we started our conversation hearing from Brad Sham refer to Jason Witten as the GOAT. That was a tremendous one-handed grab. Given Witten's numbers and the fact that tight ends are underrepresented in Canton, Ohio, do you have any doubts Witten is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Not in my not mind. Uh, I think he's been one of the most complete tight ends uh, to come out of the NFL in quite some time. Now, I understand a lot of the guys that get in as tight ends, they're pass-catching tight ends. They're guys that, you know, are, are getting down the field. Well, Witten still can do that some. Uh, he has done it. Uh, but he also is a guy that you can use on the line of scrimmage. And, and I just think he's been the complete package. Uh, and I think a lot of that guys, uh, he owes that to Bill Parcells uh, because when he came in here, uh, as a rookie, 
and, and he was kind of noted as a pass-catching tight end. Uh, I remember being out there in one of the mini camps, and, and he caught a ball over the middle, and Parcells, in his sarcastic manner, goes, oh, there goes my pass-catching tight end, which was emphasizing to him, I want you to do more than just catch passes. I want you to be a complete tight end. And in Bill's mind, this guy was going to be the next Mark Bavaro. Uh, and I think he's been that and more. And, yeah, uh, I can't imagine Canton's not waiting for him. When you look at DeMarcus, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, uh, the things he's done in just four years, uh, being able to put up 9.5 sacks in six games, which is second in the national, national nine and a half sacks, um, second in the National Football League after six games. How good can he truly be if this team can, can truly start having the success that they think they should have? But do you think this Dallas Cowboys team is really going to buy into him and end up giving one of the most lucrative deals in the league uh, when it comes down to him actually having his chance to get a new one? Cordell, I'm not sure on where they'll go with that because basically what what you're talking about is uh, paying for one year of production. Now, it's not to say that he wasn't a good player previously. He was just injured. He had two he, – twice he had to have the same disc uh, repaired, the herniated disc, uh, and, and it, it had robbed him of uh, his second year and basically last year. And remember, he started last year on the four-game suspension – then immediately hurt that same disc again, played through the entire season, but wasn't quite the same. So he's dealt with some injury problems, but this is the first year that he's been completely healthy uh, and has remained healthy through these six games, and he's been awfully good. Yeah, uh, and as we know, if if you are in double-digit sacks, somebody's going to pay you big money. Uh, now, maybe the Cowboys decide if this is, they think this is the real deal. Maybe they try to offer him something before uh, the end of the season. You know, say, hey, look, you know, we, we can pay you. You're going to get paid sometime in March. What if we pay you in November? Will you take a little less to get your money earlier? Or do you want to bet on yourself and, and go into free agency? I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a, a wrestling question for them. They're going to have to wrestle with that to decide what they're going to do. But, boy, it's been so long since they've had a guy to do what he's doing right now. You'd hate to say, okay, we're going to let him walk. We can't pay that because, you know what, they ain't got anybody else that's ready to take his spot. Uh, If you factor off nine and a half sacks uh, over a 16-game season, I think I did it the other day, it comes to 25, right? That's an NFL record. Uh, So, uh, one way or another, he's going to make he's going to get his money. Uh, you would prefer if you could figure out how to keep him here and do what he's been doing, because you know. And, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but you know he had been at left defensive end. Well, what started to take place is uh, he was getting double teamed over there with a tight end. Uh, they were chipping him with a linebacker. I mean, with a uh, running back, uh, and, and he was taking a beating over there. Well. This past week, he played a little bit more on the right side. So it was almost like, hey, we're not tipping our hand where he's lining up. Uh, so for, for the longest period of time, you know, started training camp the last two or three years, you know, Cowboys CEO Stephen Jones said, yeah, we need to find that guy that when the opposing team breaks the huddle, the quarterback's going, okay, where's number 90, whatever. Well, now they're breaking the huddle and going, okay, where's number 90? Uh, I would think you want to do all you can to keep the guy. 
Mickey, as always, we appreciate the information. We'll chat with you next week after Dallas and Washington renew the rivalry on Sunday. Good to be with you guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too. You just flip a switch, and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, and up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones to today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time to bring you the fantasy fix with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Let's say hello to a great friend of the program, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, I know you're a crooner, so if you want to sing Fly Eagle Fly as I ask you about that high-octane Philadelphia offense, we know Nelson Aguilar was a bust, candidly, in recent years. Based on the fact that Philadelphia used a first-round pick on him, what's his fantasy value moving forward now with Carson Wentz? Suddenly becomes a back-end number two wide receiver, and even better in some circumstances depending on matchups. But working out of the slot, Alshon Jeffrey, not the overwhelming targets and totals that you might expect of a number one, but certainly doing enough to let the other guys feast. And for Aguilar, that's, what, three straight games with a touchdown, five Five on the year thus far, not huge in terms of yardage, but if you're going to find uh, that opening to daylight, as he's done each and every week, it's a beautiful thing for fantasy owners, and Carson Wentz getting better by the week. Without Carson Palmer, is Larry Fitzgerald or anyone on the Cardinals' offense worth owning? Well, we'll still own Fitzgerald, but he gets demoted from his back-end number one wide receiver role down to a three uh, and Adrian Peterson's going to find life a lot harder without Carson Palmer there. Uh, looking at more stack boxes, I think the number was 47 or 48 percent of what he saw this past week. Uh, and even though he might get all excited and his eyes may get wide because if he can get past that first line, he's got a lot of running room. Well, those are few and far between, I think, going forward. So uh, looking at more a back end second running back or flex play for him going forward as well, uh, unless they can prove that there's something more. Uh, behind Drew Stanton in that offense. But I think we all can expect that everybody takes a decided step back. Michael, you revel in minutiae on a big word Tuesday. You know that T.Y. Hilton's given first name is Eugene. You know he's candid. He called out that offensive line and then apologized. Are you riding with him moving forward, understanding that the Colts have become a debacle? I think that's the the kindest word anybody said on them today. Uh, Debacle. Uh, As we look at T.Y. Hilton over the course of the year, two monster games, and then a lot of disappearing acts. One touchdown thus far. No better than a third wide receiver on your fantasy squad at this point, ranked 30th or lower, I think, each and every week, regardless of matchup, because there's just no guarantee that Jacoby Brissett's going to be upright long enough to try to deliver him the ball or that he'll be able to get free and open 
you know, win the box in one coverage uh, when it when it happens. So he, he's a guy that certainly uh, fantasy owners that drafted him highly expecting Andrew Luck to be there and ready. And uh, let's let's call it what it is. They can dance around it all we want. Uh, I don't know that we see Andrew Luck at all uh, this year at this point. So uh, for T. Y. Hilton, that he'll end up on our big list of busts when we're talking about things in Week 16 and 17. The Green Bay Packers, you know, this team only operates, especially on the offensive side of the football, when you have Aaron Rodgers in the mix. But do you sit Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and others considering it's Brett Huntley at the QB position? Yeah, Adams is still a start as a as a back end number two, uh, enough in the red zone for him. Nelson sitting around those same areas, but Randall Cobb's target count uh, has disappeared, and and I know it's it's a painful click that has to happen. But as you go to the waiver wire this week, he might be a guy that you put out in the drop category. Just waiting, wishing, wanting, and hoping for past glory to reappear is not there. We've got to be real about the expectations for this team going forward. You've got Jones becomes your leader in the backfield with Ty Montgomery taking a few carries here and there, uh, and then it's Devontae Adams. Beyond that, Martellus Bennett is a blocker, no longer a fantasy viable tight end, uh, and we move forward uh, off of what were great expectations. Great expectations, Mike. Well, you know, you got to pay by the word, buddy. No, I thought you were going to go a little bit. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You know, we're going to go. Deep into well, we the... could do that if you want. Okay. I mean, I could do a dramatic reading. That'd be nice. We'll... Up as a character, you know, from a stage play. <laughs> we'll save that for your one-man show coming up in Hollywood. He is the man we call Hollywood, Michael Harmon, fantasy analysis, SwollenDome.com. All right, Mike, this is tricky, so stay with me. If we have a casual fantasy owner listening going, I got Drew Brees, at home I got to play him, right? That seems like that would work, but what about your opportunistic Bear defense? Are you going to factor in the playmaking ability of what the Bears are doing on defense into any matchup now that Chicago is involved with? Yeah, you look at that's uh, six times this year that a quarterback has finished fantasy number 18 or worse against them and you know for those that didn't watch the game Carolina moved the ball brilliantly all day long but you know what it ended up in nothing three points uh just a a miserable uh series of decisions some bad luck along the way for Cam Newton uh but we've seen it time and again front seven gets after it secondary really growing Kyle Fuller I think eyeballing uh his next contract uh suddenly become the playmaker they anticipated him being when they drafted him a couple of years ago so uh for Drew Brees, we'll, we'll knock him down a few pegs. He'll be at the back end of the ones, not usually uh, where he resides, but certainly tempering our expectations, uh, but always a starter. Can't, can't push him too far uh, with the inconsistency we're seeing at the position elsewhere. When you look at Oakland and Atlanta, you, you wonder why both these teams uh, have truly struggled on the offensive side, but I, I tell you, with Amari Cooper and Julio Jones finally getting touchdowns, which guy would you rather own moving forward? Uh, that's a uh... The, the, the billion-dollar question, because we watched Amari Cooper suddenly have one of those monster games that we've been waiting on all year, more than what doubled his total of receiving yards with that output against the, the Chiefs in that crazy Thursday night game. Uh, I think overall consistency, we're still looking at Julio Jones uh, thus far. And, and when we're looking at red zone targets, you know, it's Michael Crabtree that he's, that Cooper has to contend with in Oakland versus in Atlanta, you're still seeing some things, you know, kind of, kind of spread out. 
but Julio Jones being their number one you know, time and time again. So I think I'll still take Julio Jones, but I'll be curious to see if the revival of, of Amari Cooper is there, particularly as they'll play a game without Marshawn Lynch. They don't really have uh, a robust running game, even when he is in there right now. So more on Derek Carr's arm. Today's Fantasy Fix being provided by Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, let's marry fantasy and reality. We just had a long analysis of the Martavis Bryant situation in Pittsburgh. Let's jump over to Juju Smith-Schuster, rookie out of USC. I know he's been dealing with the head injury, but if you're just looking at targets, is he officially now the number two option in addition to Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh? Yeah, that would be it, you know, and that's been the the one question that goes forward with this team is consistency in finding that the tertiary option behind Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I mean, when you look at targets and receptions, it's a decided drop-off to everybody else. And and with Smith-Schuster, he's at least you've seen the number of routes run rising on a weekly basis. And though he's not going to pile up a ton of targets, uh, it would seem that he's eclipsed Bryant. Uh, you know, anytime Mike Tomlin has to address a guy uh, in press conferences, for, for things other than to play on the field. That usually doesn't result uh, in good re- good things for them going forward in terms of their playing uh, playing time, unless they you know, the can't-bench kind of players. So uh, Smith-Schuster on the, the fringes of fantasy relevance. I know we got the touchdown this past week. Um, he's got three on the year. But uh, no better than a fourth wide receiver except for a, an occasional matchup play at this point. When it comes to the Cowboys, after a slow start to Dak Prescott, Jason Witten, and Dez Bryant uh, starting to show some high-end fantasy value? Yeah, well, when we look at Dez, he's the one question that we have. Right, Dak's always going to be a, a fantasy starter uh, in terms of those top 12, unless you're you know, having those in one-off where you drafted quarterbacks highly, both your starter and your backup. Uh, Jason Witten. Yeah, he's seen the painted grass more than we normally uh, normally do. I've always wondered if there was an allergy uh, going on there, but he, at least seeing him in the mix in red zone. And for Des Bryant, it's it's been uh, a nice little bounce back because early on in the year, while you're scoring touchdowns, not really seeing the high target count and, and regular effort, you know, more spread out when you had Bryce Butler and Cole Beasley and others starting to get into the target count. So the fact that we've seen a total of 17 receptions over the last three weeks gets him back as a lockstep number one uh, and I think fantasy owners breathing a sigh of relief because they were wondering if he was starting to head into the abyss of the can I start and the more hand-wringing and walk long you know lonely walks you have to take on the beach when setting a fantasy lineup the worse your life is. Michael, when was the last time you took a long lonely walk on a beach here in Southern California? I, I did earlier this morning. You know, I, I was was out pondering how hot it was going to be for the first game of the World Series, pondering, you know, when the Bears win games like they did, is that good for football or bad? You know, I mean, there's just a lot of things that start to pile up on you, uh, especially when you're getting texts, you know, back from your friends in Chicago going, so uh, Mitchell Trubisky, what am, I, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm like, Take the win and move on. Uh, but certainly, you know, along the way, you, you've got to answer a lot of questions. Four completions, Michael. That is a winning formula for your beloved Chicago Bears. As we say goodbye, I know you're a movie buff. Take it back to Wall Street. Hal Holbrook with the prescient observation. Man looks into the abyss, Michael, and he sees nothing. And then he's got a decision to make. Nicely done.
Greed is good, Mike. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Be good, brother. I Hal Holbrook reference. I said I'm spiking the ball. You saw how quiet they got, huh? (laughs) Goodbye, Mike. For the win. See you, boys. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.